So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas my name is ben hartley and you are listening to the six figure photography podcast on this show we help you grow your business by winning more bookings maximizing your profits and breaking through limiting beliefs. If you would like to get early access months in advance to future episodes of the podcast, to see any visual references mentioned on air, head on over to benhartley.com forward slash mastermind. That's benhartley.com forward slash mastermind. Join 20,000 other photographers in that community who are getting live streams of the podcast for free three days a week. Today, we got with us Meredith Reinkars. She is the restart specialist. She's been a wedding photographer for the past 12 years, pretty much all over, currently residing in Savannah, Georgia. She's a restart specialist because uh, as a military wife, she discovered that she was moving countless times and kept learning over and over, uh, over the years, how to stay true to herself, how to build her brand and survive and thrive no matter where she ended up. If you're moving your business, this episode is for you. If you've just moved your business, this episode is for you. If you're starting out, this episode is for you. Meredith Reinkars, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ben, for having me. Yes. You know, this is, um, this is something that I've, I've, um, I guess I, you know, you, I'm learned to count my, how do I, how do I word this? I didn't realize how good I got it. Maybe I'll just put it that way. I've had so many photographers who were in similar shoes to you where their military spouses, maybe they actually are serving in the military and they're started a business and, and, uh, I'll get a message from them. Just be like, Ben, I'm moving and I don't know how long I'm going to stay here. And then I'm going to move again. I don't know how long I'm going to stay there. And then I'm going to move again. Um, and so this is, uh, this is something I couldn't imagine having to do. Can you tell me a little bit about, um, when you decided to start your photography business? I imagined it wasn't a surprise that you were going to be moving when you first established it, but tell us a bit of those early days. Yeah, it definitely was not a surprise. Um, I got married to my husband. He's still active duty. And I, at the time was a middle school art teacher. Mm. And um, I knew that I would have to move, but uh, realized very quickly that getting a teaching license uh, is really a, a pain in the butt. It's actually easier to move a photography business than it is to get a teaching license over and really? over again. Yeah. 
Um, and so that was um, something that I didn't really think through initially. I just was like, yeah, this is, this is going to be easier. Um, and uh, kind of fell into it. So you started out in education and mm-hmm. you realized this is going to be too, I mean, this is going to be a problem and you needed to solve that problem. And so you solved it by starting your own photography business. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah. I stopped, I, I started the business, um, at the same time my son was born, mm. I wanted to be at home. Um, we had already moved once as a teacher and realized very quickly, this was not what I wanted to do. Um, stayed home with my son, um, needed an outlet and also still wanted to make an income. Um, and from there got into, um, photographing families initially Mm. and, um, eventually made my way into weddings. That's awesome. For starters, uh, thank you. Thank you to your husband for serving. I value that so incredibly much. And, uh, even an extension to you as well, just for being a part of that process with your husband and your family, uh, really grateful for, for him and for you. Um, where all have you been then? You know, I know that you currently reside in Savannah, Georgia. Can you recount the locations that you've lived in? Yeah. So we've lived, um, we moved twice in Kansas, um, lived in North Carolina, uh, lived in two different, um, houses in San Antonio, Texas, Virginia, Alabama, and now Savannah. Yeah. How long have you been in Savannah for? We've been in Savannah since, um, halfway through 2019. So almost three years now. Okay. Yeah. So wedding photography, are you primarily wedding or are you also doing portraiture? I am primarily weddings. We opened back up boudoir. I did boudoir in college um, um, and stopped since I didn't have a studio space. That uh, is a downside as a military spouse. It is a little bit harder to do that. Um, and we opened that back up during the pandemic and found that that was a really good supplementary thing to have. Yeah. I'd like to kind of step through a bit of even sequential like order of operations when you know a move is coming, you know, um, part of me is curious about some of the challenges that someone like you faces who's moving every few years. And maybe we can spend a little bit of time there, especially for, you know, the military photographers who are listening in and that is their current reality. I'm also curious to get more specific into, um, yeah, just the structure of, of what would be the best decision to do Uh, if you've got a move coming up, even if it is just one move. Now I'm going to acknowledge right now that I'm moving, I'm moving to just South of Tampa, uh, Florida here in the next six months. And so I'm going to try to get as much value out of you as possible (laughs) during this time. But, uh, let me just start with the, the first idea that I had, which is like, um, what are some of the challenges that a photographer faces who is constantly having to uproot their business. You know, honestly, it's really just, I I see this as a, like a military family um, problem that needs to get solved. But what were some of the challenges that you faced having to move so many times? Yeah. Well, I'll, before I answer that, I'll actually kind of break a a misunderstanding that I had. Please. Um, So it's not just military spouses. There are a lot of um, pastor's wives or, or husbands, um, a lot of, um, uh, medical professionals Mm -hmm. who their spouses are now having to move a ton as well. Um, and so 
I did initially start with the whole military thing, but there are a lot of people that, um, that do face that. And I would say initially the, the thing that really needs to be addressed first is your mindset. Hmm. Um, the mental health aspect around having, especially if you've only moved once or you've never moved at all of literally feeling like everything is pulled out from under you is a huge thing to acknowledge and to recognize. Um, and to, to keep that at the forefront of your mind when, when you're looking at um, pricing and, and all of the other things that go with moving a business. Hmm. Thanks for clarifying that, by the way, you're right. I, I hadn't even considered other occupations that are in a similar, you know, they're very, uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, trans transitory transitory. There it is. Yeah. Thank you. So you speak first to mindset, you know, and I'm already feeling that right now. There's kind of this, I would describe it as crippling, this crippling kind of feeling that like, man, I've, I've been here in Columbus, Ohio for 10 years and, and it, and, and I, it feels like I'm starting back at zero in a lot of ways. There's this sense of loss. There's a sense of, um, uh, I almost feel like, um, there's part of it that feels almost like a waste, like, and, and, and defeating a defeating quality. Have you ever been like, you know, you're working through a stage in like super Mario world and you get, a, <laughs> just let me play this one out. And you're getting like, you're going and you're going and you're going and you're, you're at your last life and you're getting through a few stages and you finally get to like one of the ghost houses and then you, you completely lose and you got to restart all the way back through all those levels that you already completed. You got to go all the way back to the last save point. And you're like, man, I already beat those other three levels. That's <laughs> I'm just, again, humor me here. That's how it feels. It feels like I'm losing all this progress that I'd already gained so much ground on. And, it, and, and so in some ways I just want to turn off the video game system and be like, all right, I'm done. I'm just going to go become a, a dentist, <laughs> you know, like, a, uh, I'm interchanging these two analogies, but sometimes, you know, back when I was a kid, I'd be like, I'm done. I need a break. I'm going to just go like outside and like rake leaves. Now as an adult, it's a similar feeling of like, oh man, I just want to be done for a minute. Um, how do we move through that and stay in the game? I think you have to remember why you started the game in the first place. What was the point of the game? Yeah. And keeping that in front of your, your mind, knowing that you're not actually starting over. You have this wealth of knowledge that can be then reapplied to starting over in Florida and almost I almost look at it as if I were to step outside of my own business and tell this brand new baby photographer everything that I know about starting a business, if I could go back in time and do that for myself, hmm. that's basically what you're doing for your business yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even like, um, you know, I'm imagining like when I started this company back in 2010 or so, you know, I was like Ben, I was like beta Ben. I was, I wasn't even Ben version 1.0. I was like Ben in beta stage. They were, we were still testing and, and I was able to, to build something incredible, even as beta Ben. I look at where I'm at now and, and it's definitely like, you know, like Ben 3.0 is kind of where we're currently at in the, in the iterations and you're right. It's actually really encouraging that this is like another tier. This is just like, uh, yeah, it's just the next stage. I want to get into some practical things 
for a photographer who's listening that is, they see a move on the horizon. They see that uh, it's likely that they're going to be moving. Um, I want to maybe step through some of the very practical processes, even a checklist, if you will, of things to um, to kind of start to get in in order, in order to make the move as as um, as smooth and and as beneficial to the business as possible. Would that be all right to do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's go to the beginning. Some people they don't know. And sometimes that move comes up, and they're like, yeah, "We're moving like right now." We're moving in a week. And for some people, it's like there's a move that's going to happen in the next year. Does step one change depending on the timing? Yes, step one definitely changes depending on the timing. So if I have plenty of, of lead time to know that we're moving I'm going to take a trip to where I'm going. I'm going to um, spend time getting to know the space. Um, I I might set up a a shoot or um, just, you know, venue visits, depending on what my goals are, um, what type of photography I'm doing and um, really get enough content and knowledge about the space so that I can start moving my SEO into that area. If that's my goal. If I'm sitting there and going, we're moving tomorrow, um, that step is going to obviously be pushed back a little bit more. Um, I'm going to need to go ahead and handle any local um, current contracts that I have, figure out that stuff, because you don't want to just up and zoom out and leave a hot mess behind you um, because that will follow you. And I've seen that follow Mm. people Um, and making sure that you also on both of those fronts, whether you are in a hurry or you have time um, you're letting, you're deciding, do I shut down this location? Because for, for us, we've made the decision to leave locations open. And so we still have the ability to go back to other places and book stuff there. Interesting. Yeah. That's been a current question of mine, you know, again, here in Columbus, uh, weighing that decision of like, do I keep a Columbus branch of style and story open or do I just uh, move it all to, to Tampa? And, um, it's been a it's been a question that I think I've had to look at from a, a really holistic kind of standpoint of like goals and just knowing uh, knowing myself as well because it's so easy for me to get maybe allured by the financial side of it like well it feels like a ways to just like turn down free money air quotes you know yeah. here in Columbus what are some as uh, do you have any thoughts on on weighing that decision of keeping something open versus simply moving the business to a new location and closing down that old, we'll say old branch, original location. Um, it is a lot harder to monitor a secondary branch for us. Um, it's just me and my husband and then my assistant. Mm -hmm. And so we, quote unquote, leave the, um, the other locations open in that we're open to having weddings there. We will travel there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's a higher price point associated with that, but, um, I'm not leaving an associate brand there. I'm mm-hmm. not leaving another set of photographers. Um, I feel like that would be a lot more 
on my bandwidth and it's yeah. not something that I want to do. So you have to ask yourself, is it, you know, do I want to be the one that goes back and shoots it? Yeah. Or do I want to leave that to somebody else? That makes sense. I think you and I are in the same wave, uh, same wavelength then, because yes, I, I, I imagine that I'll come back and I'll shoot a wedding or two every now and then I just was trying to debate. Do I want to manage a team here? Do I want someone running the studio with photographers, that type of a thing? And I think overall my answer is no, I don't think it's something that I'm going to be managing looking forward to. Uh, I, I guess uh, dealing with, <laughs> we'll just put it honestly, you know, Okay. So let's go with, um, it sounds like there's a lot of variability here. I think let's go with a little bit of lead time. I think most people are in a situation where they do have some timing that they, before they know they're going to move someplace, they're, they're beginning to look for homes and, and that kind of stuff. And so let's give a little bit of a runway. So your step one was to go and to visit that location, to schedule a session, to begin to create some work at the location that you're going to be moving to. Um, what are we then going to use that work for apart from just our own recon? What is the value in doing this? So the value in doing that is to create relationships um, from the very beginning before you're ever physically there. Hmm. Uh, By doing that, you're already getting your name out there. You're already starting to build that word of mouth. In addition to that, if um, you have a blog, which I highly recommend if you're looking to move and you're having to do that, you can start talking about top five places to have an engagement session, um, top, uh, top three places to have a date night, hmm. knowing your client, knowing what would attract them. Um, you start to put out content on social media, newsletters, whatever the case may be about that. Um, and keep in mind that, um, you're holistically, we know who our client is, but each time we move to a new location, there are aspects of it that just slightly change. Mm. Um, for us, Birmingham was, um, a, a unique market. And we found out that we didn't book Birmingham locals. It was all people that went to college there, but had never been born there. And it was because we just, our avatar was not that mm-hmm. couple that grew up there. Yeah. So there's a, it sounds like then there's a, uh, uh, an invitation to re-examine your target client and yes. to kind of check, to check in on that. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting thing. In some ways, this gets into maybe more of the demographic side of the target client. Cause I imagine the psychographics wouldn't change the psychographics being like the, the personality traits, the interest, mm-hmm. the emotional kind of qualities of your target client. I imagine those would be consistent, but maybe the demographics would shift. Is that accurate? Yes. They'll, they'll shift a little bit as far as where they, why are they in this city? Why are they getting married here? Mm-hmm. Um, what um, brought them to this area or made them decide to get married here. Those, those things will shift and change. When moving to a new spot, um, is there any thoughts or advice on how to begin to discover a bit more about what like that audience is going to be like there? Some of those differences that might exist apart from kind of getting immersed into that culture and into that space and then kind of seeing for yourself, is there any sort of research that can be done ahead of time, uh, that you would recommend? Um, I think you need to know your brand alignment. Um, Mm -hmm. we talk about this a lot where, um, 
it's easy to go into your new market and say, okay, this is the rock star planner. This is the venue that, mm-hmm. that everybody's at. And you have to ask, why are they at that venue? Mm-hmm. Um, what is their, what is their buying journey for that? And we, we have to kind of start asking questions of planners. Sometimes we'll um, call up a planner or reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm doing a blog post on this area. I saw your stuff pop up. I'd love to just talk to you about your business and your area and what you love about it and what the kind of the the client journey is for your clients. And we start to see a pattern of why they do what they do Mm. and, and knowing, okay, is, is this where, you know, old money says I'm in the South. Um, old money (laughs) says your sister hired this photographer, your cousin hired this photographer. And so therefore you have to hire this photographer. Um, that's not our client. Typically, um, they like to think for themselves. Um, or is it, I'm hiring you because you are the best at what you do and we connect and you're going to take really good care of me. Mm. And you have to look at those types of things, depending on what type of company you run and what your client avatar is. I love the idea of picking up the phone and connecting with existing vendors and just beginning a conversation. I'm curious to get even more practical during it because we used a little bit of kind of insider speak, a little jargon, and I can't imagine it really flying in, in a phone call, meaning this, if, if you were the wedding planner and I were to pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, we've been moving there and, and I'm really excited. I was researching it and I saw your work, uh, one of the best in the area. And I just was curious to hear a little bit more about this client's buying journey. I imagine mm-hmm. the reply would be, no. so when you, what the, what the, here, let me use the bleep button. What the you mean the the client journey. So, so can you maybe um, break that down in terms of like what you might actually ask specifically to that wedding planner that would give you the buying journey that you could kind of like fill in. Does that make sense? Yeah. You definitely don't want to use that um, <laughs> photography jargon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I get a hab- uh, in the habit of like being in my own head here. No, it's great. Um, I love it. I love your head. So um, I, I would really, first of all, you need to understand where they're coming from. Like you, you, this cannot be a cold call. Like you, you need to, um, I hate to say court them yeah. on social media, but it just can't be a, a random cold call. Um, and then from there talking to them about, look, I saw this, um, it's beautiful for, um, for us, we're, we're trying to understand this market that we're moving into. And in addition to that, we're, we're creating some content around that. And then typically I'll ask them, could I do an interview on you? Hmm. Could I interview about your business and talk with you about um, what you love about the local area, what you love about your clients? Um, What are some kind of quirks that you've noticed um, that make your clients unique? Those types of things will then open it up to them speaking more to you. Um, the other thing that I love, um, if, if you guys have read the pumpkin plan, if not, it's amazing. It's short read. Is that uh, Mike uh, McKillowitz? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I love what he says about asking, um, what our industry is doing wrong and what it's doing right. And, mm. and 
if it's the right fit personality wise, you're feeling the vibe. I would kind of interject that a little bit to understand what, um, you know, where, where can you find your niche? Where can you find your spot in that new community? Yeah. I remember when I moved to Columbus, I I hadn't read the pumpkin plan. Um, but I was trying to figure out how to, how to like, I guess more or less separate myself from everybody else, apart from being the new guy. <laughs> I didn't want to be known as like the rookie. And I remember meeting with a wedding planner and I asked her what, um, what would be, and I used a word and I, and I softened up. I said, well, like what would be like your biggest complaint with the photographers that you're used to working with? And, and I know you're not complaining. I know they're all fantastic, but like maybe just like a point that you just love to see, um, things be done a little differently, you know, I'm curious about that. And I, I remember asking, uh, the, the wedding planner that so it's, it's kind of fun to, to hear beta Ben was asking that question. That's kind of fun. Um, so pumpkin plan, I, I need to check out that book. That's awesome. Mike McCullowitz, everybody, you got to check that out. Um, I imagine that there's so much value that can come from, from this conversation, not just from like learning about your client, but also just the relational side of things. Um, is that a pretty important part of this initial process is the like, um, getting out from behind a computer and actually building relationship? Yeah, that is absolutely paramount. Mm. Um, so you, you touched on something that we, we like to call the new girl effect or new guy. Um, but, um, that concept of being the new kids on the block is really powerful. Mm. And so our goal in the first six months of being in a new market is to have everybody saying our name and in a good way. And one of the things that I, I want to caveat what I'm about to say is we never lower our prices moving into a new market. I know that fear is there Mm. to do that, but we've never done that. We've changed and altered our packages. Um, but we have never lowered our prices. So with that being said, um, you want to strategically offer some sweat equity when you're talking about building those relationships, going in and doing a venue tour, um, looking around and being cognizant of where their needs are. Now this can bite you in the butt if you don't do it right tactfully, but to say to them, you know, I noticed, um, you've, you've got some pictures on your website. Um, is there a need for any, um, additional marketing images. Hmm. Um, is there anything where you've got some new team members and you're needing headshots when it's the right time and you're feeling it, then ask them that. And we start to do that and create events. This is the other thing relationally that helps. Um, if you have that one venue or that one place that you have really connected to, then sitting down with them and saying, Hey, I'd love to host co-host an event with you. Hmm. And then you invite the top five to 10 planners, what floral designers, whatever the case may be. And you host a vendor love event. You do it however you want, maybe include headshots, whatever the case may be. But the initial point of it is that everyone starts to say your name. Hmm. To the point that by the time you hit six months, you get a phone call from a planner that says, um, I've heard your name six times in the last week. I had to call you. I have a wedding coming up. Um, my normal photographer's not available. Are you? 
It's awesome. I, I, uh, I dig this. There's a degree of courage that comes from this. I'm putting myself in your shoes as you're sharing these stories and I'm imagining the courage that it would take the goal, uh, to step into a new space, to reach out and invite people that don't know who you are into, to an event that, you know, like there's a, there's a degree of courage there. Um, is, is that accurate? Yes. I'm, I am naturally an introvert. So this is something that was frightening initially to start. Mm -hmm. Um, the second time we did it was in the middle of COVID. Um, we've done it in other, other ways, but, um, the, the very initial part of COVID, um, we hit the month of mother's day uh, in May. And, um, we had a, a venue planner that said, look, these planners are getting their butts handed to them. They're exhausted. They're frustrated. What can we do? And we collaborated to do that. Another vendor love event like that. Um, and I had never met any, most of these planners, um, and having to come out and do family sessions where it's socially distanced, but they get something out of it and get to then have a, a sponsor. Um, we had other vendors sponsor a gift basket to take home for Mother's Day. Mm. Um, but those types of things are scary because you don't know who's going to say no or, you know, or yeah. who's going to say yes. But you just need one yeah. to say yes, to, yeah. to say, you know what, you're new, but I, I believe in what you're doing. So at this event, you're, um, I, what I heard you say was that you also did, you invited their families to come and did like family uh, photographs for Mm -hmm. the vendors. Is that accurate? Yeah, we did, um, family mother's day, family portraits Mm -hmm. for, um, wedding planners and collaborated with a venue. They collaborated with, um, a cookie slash cake artist. And we put together these gift baskets for them to take home as well. Oh, that's really cool. That's awesome. Wow. Um, in the process of, of researching these vendors, is there uh, uh, any sort of hierarchy or, or ways that you go about actually effectively finding vendors? Because again, you, you know, you're not going to have worked with any of them. <laughs> it's just going to be like, I, I've got to find a group of people to begin to build a relationship with. What does that research process look like for you? What are the main channels that you use to do it? I use Instagram, Mm -hmm. the knot and their websites because, um, vendors that a lot of venues are on the knot. Um, and that's a a great way to start. I use Google, um, as well, but Google is based off of SEO. It's not based off of, are you the right planner? Are you the right venue? Are you the right, whatever, fill in the blank Mm -hmm. for me to be collaborating with. Um, I'm using hashtags through Instagram, um, and searching regional stuff like that. Um, and then looking at, do they serve a similar client to me? In addition to that, um, there's this interesting aspect of pricing where, um, you can either be obviously too cheap, which we all know, Yep. or, um, excuse me, let me rephrase that. You can be too expensive. Um, or this anomaly that we don't talk about, which is you're too cheap. Hmm. You, you need to charge more. Um, and you're not getting referred because of that. And hmm. so we want to make sure that when we are doing this research, that they are working with clients in a price point that is similar to ours. Mm-hmm. 
because if they're, let's say if you're charging 1500 for a wedding, um, and their clients are expecting to pay 8k that vendor can't send you work and yeah. on the flip side if they're having clients that expect to pay 1500 and you're charging 8000 the same thing is going to happen you're going to have a problem and so being cognizant of that when you are expending that energy that you're in alignment with who you're reaching out to do you have ideas on how to determine or at least ballpark, let's say, well, let's go hierarchical here. And I understand that florists can send you referrals and DJs can send you referrals mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. I get it. Yes. Amen. However, there is a hierarchy. It does exist uh, with venues and planners. And so um, is there a way to best determine uh, you know, what they're, and is it, are you looking for like total wedding budget spend for their average client? Or are you trying to figure out like, who, like, what are the photographers charging that tend to work with that planner and venue? Um, that is a way to look at it. So the first thing you need to know before you ever move is what is the average spend, not what they invested in you, but what is the average spend of your current clients, your top best five clients currently in the, in the current location? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the current location, because you should expect that your the quality of your work should then translate to that new location. Mm-hmm. And granted, if you're moving from Ohio to New York City, you're going to have to play with those numbers a little bit because New York is 10x, a lot more expensive. 10x, <laughs> Grant Cardone, 10x. <laughs> I think right. I have to pay him money now because I just used his name on air. I think that's how that works. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you need to ask yourself that first and, and that's going through and asking your, your current clients or asking, um, the current vendors that you work with, Hey, you know, we've worked 10 times together in the last two years. What's your average client spend Mm -hmm. on a wedding and ask the venue that ask the planner that if you're working with them a ton, you have a good relationship that gives you a, a blueprint initially of about how much that new area you should be looking at. Um, so let's say that the, the average client spend is 250,000. Um, and they spend, uh, I don't know, I'm ballpark 50 K on a venue. So then you're going to go and look and see most venues will say a starting price point and you're going to look and see, okay, what's that starting price point that aligns with my past location plus or minus given where you're moving to. Um, Same thing with planners. They will often have that initial starting price point somewhere on their website or potentially the not Mm -hmm. um, so that you can start that. I don't look at um, other photographers first. Um, I know that that tends to be kind of that first initial, okay, I'm moving. Let me go look and research every photographer in that new market and then, you know, take a, a dart and throw it and hit a, a price somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's not what we're doing. Yeah. So I'm hearing you say, um, that we're first going to be estimating our, we're looking at our, our current spend that our clients are investing into us and, uh, and we're going towards that top end of it. The average is there. We're then looking at the overall budget that our current couples have 
by contacting probably the planners that they worked with, maybe a coordinator at a venue that they worked with, and let me know if I'm, I'm trying to restate what I, what I heard you say, and then you tell me how far off I am. And then we're going to take that data, and we're going to go and we're going to take a look at the venues over in new location, try to find corresponding venues that would relate to those amounts. If someone's investing 50000 here in Ohio with my couples, I'm going to want to find a venue that's going to be at least that, if not more, rather than like a 10K, 20K uh, per venue type of a space. Um, and then I'm hearing you again say this is a this is a conversation. This is a phone call. This is a dialogue that you have with someone that you've built rapport with, uh, uh, most likely a planner or a coordinator at a venue at the new spot. Is that accurate? Um, typically, I'm not going to initially have that conversation with the new planners and the new venues. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing my research on the websites. I'm doing my research on the knot and, yeah. and looking and seeing. Um, after that, then I'll look at that planner's Instagram. Yeah. If I know, okay, they're serving weddings in the right price point, mm-hmm. then I will start looking at the photographers. And I might say, okay, where is that photographer's price point? Yeah. It's in the back of my head as knowledge, but my operating costs and my cost of goods are probably very different than that photographer. So please don't go into a new market and say, they're charging this. So that's exactly what I need to charge. Know your numbers first and then make the decision off of that. It's awesome. So, uh, out of all these resources that can, you know, you talked about putting together resources, a session, um, blogging, some of the SEO side of things. And then certainly that now there's this relational side of things. Is there any other component? I, I'm kind of seeing marketing coming from organic SEO. I'm seeing marketing coming from word of mouth through direct referrals from other vendors. Is there another component that's really important? Um, the, I think the other component is, is seeing what, um, local networking groups are in your area mm-hmm. um, and seeing which ones will work for you and for your business. Um, we have two that are, are locally here. They've been established for a while and that was a great way to start to initially meet other vendors. Yeah. Um, I wanted something in addition to that. And so again, that kind of stepping out of my comfort zone and contacting a major wedding organization and saying, we don't have a chapter here. I'm willing to help create one. Can we do that? And so we, um, in January of this year, launched a WIPA chapter here. And there are some in Florida. Um, I will let you know that. Um, But that's a international uh, organization for wedding professionals that I can now connect to and network with and build that here in our local market. It's awesome. Meredith, this is incredible. This is really, uh, this is really cool. It's really exciting that you've kind of really found your space in, well, just through having to live it. (laughs) And now you're taking all this information and bringing it to other photographers. Where can people learn more from you online, learn more about the restart specialist? Yeah, so I um, have a website called The Restart Specialist. Super easy to to find. Um, And then if you look me up on Instagram, we hang out there. Um, We've got some great stuff on moving a business on YouTube. So um, honestly, any one of those places are best. That's awesome. Meredith. Thank you for being here today. This was great. I mean, we just got through so much ground and I think there's a ton left to, uh, uh, to leave the listeners, uh, to connect with you over. 
And so thank you for being here today on today's episode of the podcast. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much for um, having me and letting me be a part of this. Absolutely. Podcast listeners, Meredith's your girl. If you're moving, if you're traveling, if you're, if you're picking up a shop and, and moving to a new city or state, make sure to check out the Restart Specialist. I can't wait for you guys to tune into the next episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. And until then, keep showing up.